Well, as you know, we're in a series called The Mystery of the Church, and we're taking our time to go through the book of Ephesians. How many of you ever read through the whole book of Ephesians? It's a powerful, powerful book, and there's nuggets in there, and that's the purpose, and that's the reason why we, we decided we want to go, we don't want to take our, we don't want to rush through this. And like this week, there's only just a few passages we're going to discuss because I think that there's some things in there that really God wants us to drill down on and God wants us to see. And so if you want, if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to begin with verse 11. How many of you know that you have a story? Every one of us have a story. And we have that story, it's not just for us to keep quiet. That story is given to us that we can share the good news to other people. I was reminded this week as I was talking to someone and sharing what, what God begins to do in our lives when, we, when our lives are, are changed and we allow him to come into our life holy. And what God begins to do. And I was telling the story this week, I, I grew up in Miami and we had a, a ministry that was affiliated with our church called Moms. It was Miami Outreach Ministries. And it was for women that had gone through really rough stretches of time, life. Either they were on the streets, they were homeless, they were strung out on drugs. But what Miami Outreach Ministries would do is they would take these women in and they'd work on, first of all, the women had to ask to come in. It wasn't something a family member could do. It wasn't something that uh, a friend would say, hey, I want you to go there. They wouldn't accept you. You had to make that decision. How many of you know... Some of us come to Christ because our family members, our moms and dads, have pushed us to a point that maybe we, we accept him because it's our mom and dad. How many know Christ is like Miami Outreach Ministries? That's not the way he wants you to come to him. He wants you to come to him and ask for your repentance on your own. See, I learned a long time ago. I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up with great parents. But I learned by 18 that my walk was based off my mom and dad's walk. That my relationship with Jesus, I still saw through their eyes. And you know what? That doesn't help you in times of trouble. See, too many of us think, and I'll be honest with you, I thought I was, I was a good kid. And you know, everyone says, uh, you know, you're a good person, you get into heaven. Well, that's a lie of the devil. Okay, God's not saying all of us are good people. You can find good in anyone. But what it was is I realized in a relationship that I had to have a personal relationship with Christ, that I had to take time and go into his presence. And when I began to learn what, he, what Christ did on the cross for me, when I began to see the work that he did on the cross, God began to really move on my heart. And I remember it was in spring of 1981. I was at a Jesus festival in Orlando. In the middle of a message, God just began to press upon me to stop in a dirt field that had been rained on that day, and we were all muddy and knelt down and asked Jesus to come into my life. Was Jesus in my life beforehand? Yes. But did I make it a personal relationship at that point? My life changed at that point. Because I, I, at that point, I was just a good person. Afterwards, I was a man of God on a mission for him. And there was a big difference. 
See, good people are, hell's going to be lined up with good people because they think they can walk through life on their own. They think they can deal with their issues on their own. They, those things that have snared us and given us and taken our freedom away, we think that we can handle them on our own. Why? Because we're, we're strong. We can handle that. And what I realized is I couldn't handle it. But Jesus died and went to the cross, so I didn't have to. And so that I can turn my life over to him. And I begin to realize as I walk through that journey, you know, we, we hear at Easter a beautiful story of how Jesus died for us. We forget the torture that he went through and the blood that was shed. You know, he, if you look back and you read, the scholars tell you that nothing that he had done was worthy of going to the, to the cross. The only thing it was worthy of is that it had been prophesied by Isaiah and others that he was a lamb that was going to be brought forward for each one of us. And I sat there, and as I studied and realized that, you know, when they put the crown of thorns on Jesus' head, you know, you see in the movies, that's just a little thing. It looks like spurs that, you know, just kind of put in your head, but they were spikes. And when they pressed them down into his skull, blood began to rush forward. And it's not a pretty scene. But you think about the anguish that he went through. And I thought about that. I thought about the whips of uh, uh, the, the, the cat of nine tails and the 39 lashes that he got. You know, that, that whip had mixture of bone and metal and glass products that, that were in there. So as they hit him on his back, the whole purpose of that was to hit him around his shoulder blades and beneath it so that when he was on the cross, he had no strength to be able to hold himself up. That He had to stand there and, and, and 39 lashes just ripped his skin off and blood coming out. Like, Pastor, why are you so graphic? Because we need to know what he did for each one of us that we could have that relationship with him. And then they went on to, to put him on a cross and put spikes in his hands. I, realized, I read this week, you know, we think it was in the, this hand, but in the Roman days, the handshake was from here, here. So they actually put it in the center part of here because if it was in his hand, it would have ripped out as, they, as his weight hung on it. Think about that. Spikes going into your flesh. And he, he didn't have to do it, but he did it because he saw one day your picture. And he died for each one of us. I realized that day he died for me. He, didn't, he died for my mom and dad. But I had to take a relationship where I knew personally he died for me. And that made a big difference. So I accepted Christ into my life. And a short time later, I accepted the call into ministry and went off to Bible school. But I all, I've realized that point is my relationship can't be bought or can't be made upon someone else. I'll tell you, church, there's too many Christians that the relationship with Jesus is based off a of wife. It's based off of husband. Maybe it's based off of going to church for their children. Maybe it's based off of mom and dad. And I'll tell you something. When tough times come, you will fall. When tough times come, and they will come, Jesus tells us that. We have to prepare. And that those times come when we know who he is in our heart and our life. No matter what we go through, we can face it with him. 
So I want to pick up the passage here in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 2. And this is Paul telling us that, Therefore, remember that formerly you are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcised, which is done in the body by human hands. Verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. Paul is reminding us here. You know, Jesus tells us that at the end of his life, we take the, we take the communion because do it out of remembrance. Paul's telling us here, we need to remember, we're, we're the Gentiles, folks. We want, the covenant at that point was the, was, was the Jews. And he's telling us that we were, because of that, we were once separate from him. Excluded from that citizenship of being a believer. Except, excluded from that citizenship that we have with Christ today. Listen to that last portion. It says, we were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope, without God. Without hope. That's a big thing. Without God. Think about that in your life, where you're at right now. But I love what he says here in verse 13. But now, as Pastor talked a couple weeks ago, that is that divine intervention that God makes. But now in Christ Jesus. How many of you have had a but now moment? But now, you know, you once had cancer, but now I am free. I, I was once alone in this world, but now God has brought me someone to walk with me. I was once poor and out, no job, no hope, but now God has brought me and restored my hope. I struggled at one point with, with what's going on in the things of the world, but now I have the peace of Christ in my heart and in my mind that I can walk like he had walked. That's what was the difference here. But now in Christ, you who were once far away have been, been brought near by the blood of Christ. So the title of my message today is we're in the mystery of the church, the mystery of the blood and the work of the blood. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Just what I, just what I was talking about. We, in our society, we look at the cross and it's a nice thing for a holiday and the churches fill up on Easter. But how often do we talk about, how often do we talk about in our homes the work that was done on the cross, the message on the cross? But he's saying that when the, it's foolishness to them, they're perishing, they're dying, they're not, they're not part of this covenant. But to us who are being saved, I want you to look at that term, being saved. How many of you, when you accept Christ in your heart, no matter what the junk you've had in your past, is it all gone away, all your struggles all gone away then? No. Why? Because I'm being saved. It's our responsibility to walk out our faith. And what my dad always taught me is Jesus is right in front. I just keep walking towards him. Every step I make, okay, I, I slipped up, I fell back, 
I can't sit there and worry about what I did. I have to keep following after Jesus. I have to keep reaching out to touch him. And the more I reach out to touch him, that part of being saved is that old nature is coming off of me. That old nature is being left behind. And I'm not sitting there and having to worry about what I did in the past. I have got a future. And he tells me in that future, I have a hope and a destiny for me to follow. But he or being saved, it is the power of God. The more we reach out to God, that's where we draw that power from. Proverbs 29 18 says, if we can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. If we, if us people cannot see what God is doing, we stumble all over ourselves. Why is it important to see what God is doing? How many of you think your wisdom is better than God's? How many of you think what I, and we have to fight this, I don't know about you, but I fight it every day, okay? What I want to do versus what God wants me to do. We have that, I hate to say that term, but that come to Jesus moment in the morning when the flesh is, is stronger and I have to sit there and submit it before the Lord because I want to do one thing, but God is saying no. You do it, there's a different trail you're following, but if you follow me, there is a life of peace, there is a life of joy. Which one do you choose on that road? We've been called to see. We have been called to sit with Christ to see the unseen. That's why we're looking into the mystery of the church. How many of you know, church, the Bible tells us in Corinthians, we have the mind of Christ. So we have the mind of Christ. That means we can grasp hold of things that God is trying to tell us. But we have to move closer to Christ to be able to see that. See, we can't stand back over here and say, okay, this is as much as I want for God. There's an old poem back in the 40s that was written that talks about, just give me three pounds of God. And it's it, just give it in a stack. I want that warm experience of of the womb, but I, I don't want that new birth experience. And see, too many of us as Christians, we, we come to Jesus in a, in a moment. The issue is, is that we side a dividing line. God, I know you're there, but I'm going to stay here because this is what I know. And I know that if I step forward close to you, things are going to change in my life, and that scares me. Let me tell you, walking by faith should. Why? Because God is leading us. And it's not scaring you in a frightful way. It's, it's the unknown, it's the unseen, but as we draw closer to him and we sit with Christ, those moments of unseen, his spirit is there to lead us. His spirit is there to talk to us. You know how hard it is? I, I remember the story of Dr. Dale, and he was on a, a plane trip coming in from overseas. In the middle of the trip, God spoke to him and said, I want you to begin to pray in tongues. And he's like, Lord, there's... It's a full plane. <laughs> and God said, no, I want you to begin to pray in tongues. And so he honored the Lord. As he began to pray, he noticed the gentleman next to him just to begin to break, his heart began to break, and he began to cry and weep. And what God was doing is, is he began to prophesy over him in tongues as he's praying. But he was speaking to him in his native language of Africa. That's part of when we sit with God and begin to see in the unseen realm. Yes, those moments are maybe difficult to step out. But God, our, once I came to Christ, I realized my life is not about me. 
It is about others that God brings me forward to. It is those children as a youth pastor that I help bring up and raise and help them walk through some tough situations. It was as a business owner, as people that worked for me and how God would bring them in my past and be able to to, to guide them and direct them into aspects of what we do in life. Because it's unseen, but God's called us to do that. You can't talk about the cross without talking about the blood that was shed for each one of us. Listen to what Isaiah says here. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. What he's saying there is that punishment that we should have died, that we should go, that we should, our lives should take us to hell. No matter how good we think we are, we've, we've had that separation, that barrier, and we've had that as, as, as children born into the kingdom or born into this world. He took that upon himself and went to the cross. He goes on to say, and by his wounds, some passages say, by his stripes, we are healed. So there are three little things I want to look at. I think they're big things, excuse me, that what we see in this passage here relates back to the blood, but we can take and put into our lives to help us carry this out. First one is freedom in my body. He says here, by his wounds, we are healed, or by his stripes, we are healed. Some, as I said, I, I want to let you know something. That, that, that thing, that word healed, first of all, it, it's a spiritual connotation. We're, we come to Jesus. He went to the cross, not for any other reason, but spiritually we can have a right relationship with God. How many of you, un, you understand that? But also he says and he tells us in the New Testament that, he, that, that we have received the power that we can lay our hands on the sick and it's not, maybe one day they'll be healed, or, or maybe down the road they'll be healed, but no, it said that they shall be healed. That's part of that unseen realm of stepping out and doing what God's called us to do. He goes on in First Peter and says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. See, God wants us to die to the sins. And what does that mean? We have to step away from our old life. Too many times that's, that's comfortable for too many people. Part of repentance is turning away from that old nature and moving towards Christ, moving more towards righteousness. Righteousness is not about us being perfect. It's about us doing and walking and teaching and, and chasing after God. And what happens, the more we do that, that term being saved, as we keep following, what happens is that old nature begins to fall off. That struggle I used to have in one area of my life begins to fall off by the wayside. And what I look at two years down the road, a year down the road, or three years down the road, I'm a different creature in Christ. I've gotten into the word, and, and the word has begun to heal my mind. By his stripes, we are healed. Our mind needs to be healed. It's a physical healing for each one of us. We have that authority. 
Our second point here we'll look at is freedom in our mind. It says he was pierced for our transgressions. As I was studying this, I never, you know, the, the scripture always talks about that when they, when they pierced him with the sword or with the, with, the, with the spear, that there was blood and water that came out. And so one of the studies I was reading is that they came under, they came under Christ's rib cage and, and punctured the heart. So that sack of water that's around the heart and the blood came out of him. And I find, it, I find that interesting that he went through that. Never complained, never once. The Bible talks about he could have called 10,000 angels, and yet not once did he, did he give it up. Why? Is he, he knew what God had called him to do. He knew what the Father had set him to be. He knew that the first that, that Adam had failed the, 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 what he was supposed to do. And so they, they made a point. When Adam failed, they had another game plan. And then that game plan was to allow Christ to come and to die for us. Hebrews says it, I think, better than me. It says, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. See, we come in on Sunday mornings. I know, it, why do we press in? Why do we try to fight through worship? It's because the, some of those things that we've dealt with during the week, some of those things that we have allowed ourselves to walk through, some of those things that we've allowed to experience during the week really hinder us in our, in our fight and worship. And I thank you, Simon, for encouraging us for, for, to press in, to go further this morning. Because it's important that, we, that breakthrough happens when we continue to press in. We just sit back and let God do whatever you want. We're just the leaf with a big old leaf blower going wherever we want. That's not what God wants. We're men and women of God on a mission. We're not blown by the winds of this world. We're, we're, we're moved by the Spirit and what, God, what Christ gave us and did for us. So what activated that blood that we talk about so much? So as I was sitting there thinking about that, raising Christ from the dead, that, the blood was activated at that point. Just stay with me for a few minutes. Because it was the blood of Jesus that was shed that gives us the power for, for repentance. It gives us the power to, to go on. That bloodshed on the cross was powerless until Christ, until Christ was raised from the dead. Understand that if, if Christ did all of this, he went to the cross, he hung on the cross, he was beaten for each one of us. They buried him in a tomb. What if Jesus never rose again from the grave? Where would his name be in history? He'd just be known as a great prophet. What separates Jesus from Muhammad or from Buddha or from all these other gods that we hear around the world is that he died, he laid his life on the line for each one of us, for you. He knows where you're at right now in your life. He is not in here 
His presence is not here to make you embarrassed about your past. His power, the Spirit of God is in here so that your past will now become a strength so that you can touch this world and affect this world for the things that you went through, but you know you overcome the world by, the, by his blood, shed blood. John tells us that peace I leave with you and my peace I give you. And I give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. How many of you have that type of peace? Some struggle with it. Some struggle with it. That's why the medications are sold to, to help people overcome those. The greatest medication we have is allow, and allowing the Spirit of God to come in us, to asking God. I'll tell you what, I think the biggest message, the biggest thing of, of, of question to help us with our peace is asking God for forgiveness. Is asking God for forgiveness because so many of us are weighted down by our past. The way people, we think the way people view us, we think the way people have treated us, we think the way maybe our parents have raised us, all of that is not, not just words, it is, it is pounds, it's weight that sits on our shoulders and that we go day by day just letting us take us further and further down. But the more we stop and we get into God's presence and we, we stop and say, God, forgive me. Forgive them. And what the enemy doesn't want you to know is that when you ask for that forgiveness, when you ask for God to come in at that point, that all that is a breakthrough. The enemy wants to keep piling on. So that's why afterwards he's constantly reminding you, oh, look at people, they're looking at you. You think you're something special because you got saved today. Well, fully on you. And the Spirit of God is saying, no. Keep reading the Word. Keep burying the Word in your heart and in your mind. Because the more you do, the more you're redeeming your mind. You're healing your mind. The third thing I want to look at is freedom in my heart. I can have the worship team come up. The word says in Isaiah that he was crushed for our iniquities. Psalm says that he, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He was crushed for our iniquities. He took every bit of our past, every bit of our failure, every bit of the issues that we, we limit ourselves on, how many of you limit yourself because you think you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you're, you're too old, you're too young, but no one wants me? Or maybe I have a past, Pastor. I've struggled with alcohol. I've struggled with drugs. I've had too many marriages. I've had too many relationships. No one's going to listen to me. I want to tell you something. That is allowing the, the devil to speak into your life. When Jesus speaks into your life and into your heart, He's telling that doesn't matter to him. I, one thing I remember my dad telling me from day one that I can comprehend is that when I ask God for forgiveness, it's like Jesus taking all of my sins, and here they are, and he just rolls them away. And you know what he does? He just drops them into a garbage can. The word tells us that he has sent them there to this place for no, no one to ever know of them. 
He's not calling it to be redeemed. He's not calling it, to, excuse not calling it to be put back in your face. I heard Robert Morris tell a story that he was in a service and the pastor of that church was, they, were, they, they, they needed breakthrough, but there, there was something that they were struggling with. And Robert Morris, God began this. He was, before he got up to preach, God spoke to him and said, I want you to share this with the pastor's wife, but I want you to share it in public. And so he got up before he went and he called the pastor's wife down. She had a past. How many of us know we all have a past? Okay? For her to step out and walk down probably took a lot of nerve, a lot of strength. But as he called her forward, he said, God wanted me to share something with you. God wanted me to tell you something about your past that no one here knows. Maybe, maybe you don't know. But he remembers it no more. So don't allow the enemy to bring it back up into your mind. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Today, I want to encourage you guys to allow the blood of Jesus to be activated in your life. Pastor taught a couple weeks ago about inflection point. Inflection point is a, is a business term that we use. It's a, it's a point, there was a turning point in maybe in your business. There's a turning point in your life. You see, I, I didn't do a really good job of trying with my graphics, but that marks in the middle there is our turning point. If you look at your finances, they, maybe there's a turning point when your income started to go down, or maybe your, your turning point when your, your expenses got lower. But in the spiritual sense, for Christians, that moment that, that, that Christ came into our life, the cross came in. And when the cross came in and we began to realize what Christ did for us, we begin to think about things a little differently. Then we realize that the blood that was shed for each one of us, he didn't have to go through. Then we go on further and realize that he died for each one of us. And I said earlier that if we had just stopped at that point and Christ had not been raised from the dead, he'd just be known as a, as a good man, as a good prophet. But there's a difference. He's resurrected now. That resurrection gives so much more meaning to the cross. It gives so much more meaning to what Christ went through. But then we realize that we can accept Christ because of our repentance. We can accept Christ into our life today. We can ask Jesus to come in, to heal us, to forgive us, to set us free. That repentance is big for, for us to realize that we have to do that. I, I, I do it daily. I, I'll be honest with you, because I screw up, I mess up. I'm sorry, I might be the only one in here that does that. But I daily, I go before the Lord. Call to remembrance, Father God, in my life. Call to remembrance what if I've done something to offend someone, that I may come before you. Why is it repentance so good for our spirit? It's because if we've harmed someone or we have done something that puts a barrier between us and God, I want to make sure it's dealt with. And I mess up, but Jesus is there to remind me. 
Repentance can happen today. But then we go a step further. We realize that that blood that was shed on the cross. See, I believe we're all, if you look back in, in Genesis, when mankind was birthed, it was birthed through Adam and then the Eve. We're, we, they, were, they had God's DNA. We, we all agree on that? We all think about that? So we're born this day, everyone here. You might not be a believer this morning. You might not even profess to be a Christian today. You might even think in your heart, I am so far away from that, Pastor. I want to tell you, inside of you is a spirit man. It might be dead, it might be dormant because of things you have walked through or allowed into your life or things others have done to you and affected you. But the blood of Jesus that was shed on that cross, when we come into repentance and we realize that, I think it releases something into our life and that spirit man begins to rise up. And Jesus begins to feed him, that he becomes more of our life. And we realize that no matter what the enemy says, that I am greater as he is in me than in the world. No matter what I face, I can overcome those obstacles. Why? It's because the word of God tells me so. The word of God has made a promise to me. We shut ourselves or cut ourselves so short in our lives. Because we think so much on what the world thinks, and that we, we allow that to be our wisdom. And the world is down to put you down. The world doesn't want you to succeed. The world doesn't want you to do anything that's going to bring joy or happiness. Why? So that's the spirit over our world. But in Jesus, there's a new day. In Jesus, there is new, that new life that we have that he's given us and he's promised us. That's why I, I live by Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. All things. Even in the toughest moments of life, even in the hardest things that you have to walk through, even in those greatest moments of temptation, and you think, I can't overcome. Well, God will understand because he knows where I'm at. Yeah, God does understand. The problem is, is that we give in and we keep building that barrier up because we don't go back and repent of it. And we don't, we, what we do is, yes, we give in sometimes and stop. Why do you think they called, or what the word tells us, that David was, had a heart after God? I mean, we see David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. He had a long list of issues. Paul came in and crucified the church. He came in and, and had people killed for the church. Yet he wrote majority of the New Testament. Why? Both of them knew about repentance and repenting for what they had done and not let the enemy get a foothold. There's so many things that we walk through in life that we have the freedom as Christians to walk through them. But Paul tells us not everything is profitable because it Everything that we do has an impact on our walk and our relationship with him. And that's why we want God to be glorified in each one of us. The word tells us that we're to remember the work that was done on the cross. 
The Bible tells us in, in, second, in 1 Corinthians, it says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Why do we take it? Why is it so important for this wafer? Is that we do it in remembrance of the work that was done on the cross. Why did, why did Paul remind us that we were once foreigners to this? Why? Is because there was a lot that went into us having a walk with Jesus. I was so proud. I had the honor yesterday of, of officiating a wedding between two of our Dream Team members, Tony and Mary Beth. And, and I asked them as we were ta- walking through the sermon, uh, the, the service beforehand, what would you guys like to do? And they wanted to take communion as a couple for the first time. And I thought, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is not about us being perfect. This is about us realizing there is only one perfect one and the work that he did on the cross for us. So we do this in remembrance of me. You can take of the bread. He goes on to say, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whatever you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I, church, we got to learn to understand and celebrate the Lord's death. Celebrate it not in an issue of clowning around and having a holiday for it. We celebrate it in the way because that marks the day that we can have a relationship, that we were no longer foreigners to the kingdom, that now we have a birthright, that we were born in the spirit by him and God has brought us in and by bringing us in, he has set us free to no matter what issues we have walked through or no issues that we have gone through, but he has set us free that we can live a life of joy and peace. And we can have that relationship with Jesus. So today, as you drink of the cup, we do this in remembrance of him. Church, will you bow your heads with me? Father, I ask your touch right now. No one moving around. No one looking around. Everyone's eyes closed. There, there, there are ch- people making changes spiritually right now. Lord, I pray. Touch their hearts right now, Lord God. Remove the shackles from their eyes. Open up their ears and allow them to hear you this day. Speak into their lives, Lord where the enemy has spoken, they don't have a life. There is no hope, there's no joy. You speak life. You speak prosperity over that life. I'm gonna ask if you're here today, and no one looking around for these next couple moments. If you're here today and maybe you say, Pastor, I've never taken that moment to accept Jesus or to bring him into my life or have him let me accept him into my life. Maybe that's where you're at today. Or maybe you're here and 
you're like me as a teenager. You, your relationship was based off of someone else's walk, and you've never made that personal commitment yourself. You're saying, Pastor, I've struggled with that. I thought I was, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I realize now I need something more. Or maybe you've just been away from God for a little too long, or, and you want to come home. You want to mend that relationship. No matter if that's where you're at. I'm just going to ask no one looking around, but if, so I can keep you in my prayers. Just raise your hand and put it back down quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray over each one that's here today. Holy Spirit, move upon our hearts and our lives. Church, will you stand with me? If you're here this morning, you want to spend just some moments around the altar. These altars are open. I want to encourage you. I think there is a there is things that are broken in our life when we move towards Christ and we make that movement towards him. Those barriers that have been broken off. So Father, I pray over each one that's here today, Lord God. I pray for your healing to move upon each one that is here, Lord God. That in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray the work that you started here today Allow it to continue. The work that you started here today, allow it to continue to foster in our hearts and our minds today, Lord God, that we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. We say thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everyone said amen.